Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. It's a beautiful spring day. That's the way to kick off spring. Thankful for all the seasons, but I'm thankful looking ahead, even in spite of all the the evil things going on in our world, the Lord is still on His throne. And He does something beautiful every day. And we need to look to that beauty. We need to find Him in the madness. And we need to celebrate the life that we have. Because anybody can sit around and gripe about what's going on. But we have so much to be thankful for this morning. You know, I'm thankful this morning simply for the fact we're not sitting in a bomb shelter wondering if we're going to have the building come down around our ears. And that is a blessing to sit here in freedom and to be able to worship the Lord in peace and in safety. So I am thankful for that this morning. Uh, We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians this morning, the first chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to consider... Uh, verses 8 through 11 this morning. And in light of everything that's going on around us, you know, um, I hate what's going on in Ukraine because as I've told you guys before, I've spent much time in Ukraine with Shane Duke and, and I know names and faces and I know these people personally that are going through this. And it's, I was in... Uh, I've been in communications with uh, Shane and with others over there all week long. And uh, they're taking, taking stuff, they're taking uh, food and supplies and uh, medical supplies and all kind of things. They're running them from Poland and uh, through Hungary and Germany and all these other places. And it's amazing what God does, you know, in times like this. But it made me think about the suffering of the church that's going on and that it's nothing new. It's been going on ever since Christ died for us and rose again. He said we were going to go through similar persecution that they persecuted Him with when He was on this earth. He, wasn't, he was famous all right and many people loved Him but He had just as many enemies if not more. And he told us, he said, if they hate me, know they're going to hate you too. So this is nothing new under the sun. The persecution of the church is heating up and it's, it's, it's worldwide. And it is here in America. It just hasn't manifested itself fully yet. But just hang on, it's coming. And I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that. I can read this book. And understand and know that. So what, what I want to talk to you about though today, that ought to give you comfort, it ought to give you courage, and it also ought to stir you in these last days is the fact that our salvation was settled from the foundation of the world. We just read that text of scripture this morning that's going to go right along with it. And you see, that's something that ought to bring comfort to our hearts that God already thought of you and I before He ever sent His only begotten Son. You want to know when God thought about us and knew your name? You can't go back that far. In eternity past, 
my name was already on his mind and on the lips of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? While he was hanging on that, we preachers, we preach those seven sayings from the cross so often right before Easter. You know, we'll do a series on the, the seven sayings from the cross. Those sayings have been long, going on longer than 2,000 years. He was thinking about us in eternity past. What a glorious thought. So we're going to talk about for a few minutes the thought of our salvation yesterday, today, and forever. Let's read our text there together. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, pick up in verse 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Thank God for that. They didn't trust themselves. This is not a self-help religion. Amen? But in God, which raiseth the dead. And his, this is our key text that we're going we're gonna to consider all of them, but we're going to really look at, take a deep look at verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Praise God. Ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Let's pray together. Lord God, please take this word and just melt it into our spirits, melt it into our hearts that God, that we would not face the coming days with fear, that we would not panic, that we would not react, but that we would be proactive, that we would already be about the master's business because, Lord, the fields are wide unto harvest. There are souls out there to be led to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we not busy ourselves with debating about non-essentials that our preferences, but God, may we really truly see the world through your eyes. May we feel your heartbeat. May we know the grief and, and, and pain of knowing that there's lost people out there that need to hear the gospel. And we may be the only gospel messenger that these people come in contact with. So Lord, please do whatever you want to do in your church today. Thank you for your word again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've been reading through the, in my daily Bible reading, we, we're reading through Corinthians and then translate, transitioned over into 2 Corinthians. And I, lo I always love Paul's writings. And when he wrote to the church in Corinth, you know, he, he put some of his most personal stuff in the letters to the Corinthian church. And what I find so amazing about it, I know that Paul is truly an apostle, a called man of God, because no hireling would love this church. They are the most carnal church. 
And he's writing this. This is the... There was, there's some lost letter, they think. All the Bible scholars think there was something written before. We don't, have, we don't have it. We don't have a copy of it. But this, that this is actually the third letter that he would have written to them. But he's dealing with, he's dealing with gross sexual immorality the, the, that first time around. There's some other issues going on. They're the most carnal church, but he loves them with all of his heart. That's a, that's a true man of God that loves God's church, not for who he wants them to be, but for who they are. Amen? And any congregation worth the salt in their bread that doesn't love their pastor in return, warts and all, you don't deserve him. Right? Because we're all a bunch of mess-ups. We're all jacked up. We're all imperfect. We all have things going on. So that Paul loves these people and pours into them so much is, is very telling to me. And he's, he's trying to communicate to them, hey, hey, look, we're all in this thing together. Now, we need to get the sin out of our lives and we need to start preaching the gospel. We need to start living out the word and we need to do it together. And we need to have patience with one another. We need to love one another. We need to encourage one another. So let's keep going. And he's, he's telling them here, he says in, in, in the first verse that we read, verse 8, he says, Now, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble. Now, that word ignorant kind of has a dual meaning. I know you know what ignorant means, right? You've, you ever called somebody an ignorant rascal? Yeah, I have. I almost wanted to say fool, but Jesus said don't call somebody a fool, right? <laughs> right? We've all done it. We've at least thought it in our hearts. If we, even if we didn't articulate it, sister, we called somebody a fool in our heart. But see, you know what that word ignorant means. It, it has a meaning to it that unknown. I didn't, I didn't know. Did you hear so-and-so passed away? No, no, I didn't know. That's, that's one form of ignorance. But you see, there's also a willful ignorance. Would you agree with me on that? There's a lot of American people that are engaged in willful ignorance right now. Refuse to see the facts. There's no doubt about it. The world is, Jesus is coming and they refuse to acknowledge there even is a God. Poor souls. One of these days their knee will bow. And they will confess, I just pray it's not too late. But you see, what it, what it also can mean is, is to ignore. By disinclination. And in other words, you know in the back of your mind and in the very depths of your heart that something is going on, but you refuse to acknowledge it. And what I fear by many in the church is that they know that time is short. They know that the harvest is coming. They know that the Lord is coming again and it still does not give us a sense of urgency that we need. 
in this day and age. Friends, I'm telling you, there is a lost world out there. And they need to know Jesus. How long are we going to willfully be ignorant of what's going on? You know, a lot of people didn't know anything about Ukraine before Russia invaded them. And now everybody's an expert on them. And now everybody loves Zelensky, the president. He's, he's a folk hero. And I, I want to say this, and please don't misunderstand me. This, this was uncalled for. This is evil. This is wicked. But Zelensky is not a hero. So we've got to look at it from all perspectives. There, we cannot settle for ignorance anymore. We just can't say, well, I didn't know. You did know. You just refuse to accept it or acknowledge it or do anything about it. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference in not knowing something, truly not knowing the facts, truly not knowing about it. I didn't know about so-and-so passing away. Now I do. But there's something different than willfully refusing to acknowledge. And that's what I think these people knew that Paul and everyone else had been suffering, don't y'all? I don't think it was a, a matter of, we don't know what you've been going through, I'm sorry. I think there was some prior knowledge to what Paul's been going through because he's written them before, right? They, they know. So he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be willfully ignorant of our trouble. And that word just means affliction. It means pressure. It means like a heavy weight dropped on you. I got a good laugh out of my buddy Paul Roberts uh, last Thursday night. We take his wife, teaches a class at the Glenwood Wellness Center, and she's brutal. I mean brutal. She weighs 115 pounds, and she kills me every Thursday. And we were doing this. She has these deals when she's all through with You've done the class but you have to do the finishers, she calls. She finishes y'all. And she calls it the three, two, one. You do this one exercise for three minutes without stopping. You do the other one for two, and you do one for one. And she had us up on our after we had already done all this core stuff. And I'm done. Two minutes of this stuff on your side where you... And my buddy Paul said, it feels like Jeffrey's laying down on me. That's what they felt, but this was spiritual pressure. It was just like they couldn't breathe. They couldn't go. He said, Paul said in this old King James, we were pressed out of measure. In other words, I can't take any more. It's, it's out of bounds. I'm, I'm done, I'm, be, I'm grown, I'm, I'm beyond myself. It's like a mash and a bug. I saw an armadillo that had been run over on my way here this morning. You know them things? 
one of the few I've ever seen that wasn't on his back. He was just mushed. It's what Paul felt in his spirit. He said, I've been, we're pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life, but there was a blessing in it. Because this is what he said in verse 9. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. I understand what the penalty of sin is, don't you? It's death. We deserve to die. But Paul said that all of this pressure, all of this stuff that he could not get away from and that he could not handle in his own strength, he said all of that is really a blessing because it just shows us that we can't trust ourselves. There are a lot of professing Christians out there in the world today trying to save themselves by doing good works. And I want to just tell them in love, you will never earn your way to heaven. You come by the way of the cross or you don't come at all. All you have to do is have simple childlike faith and trust Him. It's simple as that. Very, very, very hard for the religious scholars to acknowledge But you don't have to have a Ph.D. from a seminary. You can be a little five-year-old child and know that you need to be born again. Isn't that good? So let's spend the last part of our time looking at our main text, verse 10. So he says, look, this all just caused us to realize we can't do it ourselves. And then he says this, and this is the part I love about it. Our salvation... It's precious in many ways because not only am I saved from eternity past because I am chosen in God. And I don't want, we're not off into election today. We'll do that some other time. It is in the scriptures. Now that people take it to extremes. I'm not here to debate that today. What I'm here to talk about is the plain truth that we are chosen in God from the foundation of the world. So, but then people get it confused because he says, and he doth deliver, or he does deliver. That's a present tense. And then he goes on to say, and we trust that he will yet deliver. That's future tense. So what, what is he talking about? Just simply this. First of all, our justification is settled from eternity past by the blood that was shed on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God told Adam and Eve, He prophesied, He said, it takes blood. Way back in the third chapter of Genesis, when when Adam and Eve fell, that started the scarlet thread throughout the Scriptures that there had to be the sinless Blood of a lamb. And Jesus, thank God, is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Praise God for that. So that's already been dealt with. When did He deal with that? Ultimately at the cross. Everything before the cross was looking forward to the cross. Now we look back on the cross and we say, Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for us. And here it is that you saved us from the penalty of sin. What was the sentence? Death. Death. We deserve to die. 
but thank God by the blood of Jesus settled it from eternity past that that has been dealt with. So I don't have to have some new revelation to be born again, do I? I look back to the cross. I look back and I see the finished work. It's settled in heaven. When He ascended back to the Father on high, He took the blood and He put it on the mercy seat in heaven and the Father was completely satisfied and what did He tell Him to do? I love this part. Have a seat, son. You finished your work. Sit down. You see, He's sitting on His throne now with the Father and He's interceding on our behalf because of what was done for us. I'm not... See... People get salvation mixed up with sanctification. They get justification mixed up with sanctification. You see, the moment I was born again, I got everything God wanted for me. But I was a babe in Christ. I was like a little infant. I was like my grandson Titus. All I was doing was sucking down a bottle of milk, going to sleep, having somebody tend to me 24-7. I didn't know anything. I didn't even suspect anything. I was just happy as a hog in the sunshine. But then as I began to grow and began to mature and become aware of my surroundings, I realized I had certain responsibilities. I had to mature. I was going to one day leave my father and mother's house. I was going to find me a wife. I was going to cling to her. I was going to have my own family. I had all these responsibilities. Well, that's what the next step of that is. Is that He's in the process of sanctifying me. That's not an instantaneous thing, right? Don't you wish you could just snap your fingers and be a mature Christian? That'd be great. Man, instantaneous gratification. I'm mature. Don't work that way. And it's evidence of this because many churches are filled with people that have been sitting on pews for years and have never really learned anything. Have never really grown in their faith. If you, if you put them on the spot and ask them about their testimony, what, what, what is God doing in your life? Uh, 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 I, I got saved when I was in vacation Bible school when I was nine. Th- that's awesome. I want to know what is God doing today in your life. There's got to be something supernatural about my life or I'm not growing. Because God does not rem- God is not stagnant, amen? I don't get these professing Christians that are bored with their Christianity. I've got more to do than I've got strength in this body, this old body. I want to do everything for my Jesus and I can't. And that bugs a snot out of me because I'm a doer. But I'm still growing. I don't know everything. Everybody, everybody thinks the preacher's supposed to answer every question and have. A, the older I get, the less I know. Amen. I realize how dumb I am. My children went through the process that I went through. They get up about 14 or 15 years old. Your parents are stupid. 
Now they've graduated high school, got out of college, got married, have kids of their own. Mom and dad are super smart. They know everything. <laughs> and then you, you, you come back full circle, I know nothing. Just is what it is. But I do know one thing. Thank God He's still working on me. And I see, I see the Trinity at work in all of this. The Father thought of us in eternity past and He said, I'm going to send my Son to do what only He can do. He thought about us. He loved us enough to, that He sent His only begotten Son. But also, of course, without the blood of Jesus, there is no salvation, there is no sanctification. Because not only does the, the blood pay the penalty of it, it cleanses us after we're born again. That blood is a cleansing agent where we receive those white garments. When we get to heaven, when we receive our right, white robe, it's going to be because we were washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that's on a daily basis. But I also see the Holy Ghost at work in our lives because we, when we were born again, we were sealed with that spirit of promise. He didn't leave us alone, thank God. He sent the Comforter. And the Comforter didn't come and go like on the day of Pentecost, like what some people imagine happened. He came and stayed, thank God. And He lives within us. He dwells within us. And so I'm daily being saved, not only from the penalty of sin, I'm, I'm being saved from the power of sin. Because you see, I'm still wrestling, aren't you? If you've arrived yet, I'd love to have lunch with you. I want to, t I want to hear all about it. But I still struggle. I'm just going to admit it. But thank God I'm being saved from the power of sin. I'm not who I used to be. I used to be a little boy. I was very impatient. It was all about me. And it, sometimes it still is, right? But He's working me. He's getting it out of me every day. And thank God, here's, here's the last of it. It says, not only has He saved us from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin, by our glorification, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. That's what Paul was saying here in that 10th verse when he said, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. Because you see, this old body of flesh that has been damaged by sin, that, has be, that is being destroyed by sin, one of these days we're going to receive a brand new glorified body just like Jesus' glorified body. It's never going to know sin. We're never going to have disease. We're never going to see death again. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more separation. We will stand in His glorious presence and be able to say, thank you Jesus for what He did for us. He delivered us with a great deliverance. I'm so thankful that years ago, over 31 years ago now, I got saved 
from the penalty of sin, but that was just the beginning, not the ending, right? That's what a lot of professing Christians forget, that we need to be saved from the power of sin as well. I I heard somebody quote that verse Paul said about, um, uh, where is it? I think it's in Corinthians somewhere maybe, about uh, all things are... uh, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. He was making that to be a license to sin. I said, oh, hold up, brother. That, that passage of Scripture doesn't give you a license to sin. It sets you free from sin. We're supposed to be about the master's business, not my own. And I don't get a license to sin anywhere in the Word of God. But I do get in there, I do, I have read in there, flee all immorality. Any appearance of immorality, amen? And one of these days when we stand in His presence, we're going to be free from the burden of this body that's been destroyed and plagued by the death sentence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much that in our salvation, it means so many things. That was just the tip of the iceberg, but God, I thank you for our justification. That the Lord Jesus died for us. He died in our place. He died to redeem us and reconcile us back to you. And that God, we've been delivered from the penalty of sin. But Lord, I'm also thankful for the sanctification process that is still ongoing. It's, it's, I'm not the finished product, but God, I'm not who I used to be. And I thank you for the, the cleansing blood that washes us as white as snow. And Lord, I thank you for the promise that we have. You, you left that seal you, that behind you. Put the down payment in us in the person of the Holy Spirit that God, one of these days, we're going to be glorified. That we're going to stand in your presence without sin. That sin will no more enter in and God, there'll be none. No death, no sorrow, no separation, no judgment. So Lord, we praise you today as the church of the living God and I pray that that will translate into a church body that is on fire with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you for forgiving us and cleansing us. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.